everyone, welcome to another episode of the World of Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Tanea Hopkins. For this week's guest, we have Rachel Berkman. She is an NDSU entrepreneur student who has started the business, The Art Syndicate. Here's how my interview with Rachel went. All right. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. So we have this blizzard going on right now, but can you tell us more about you and the art syndicate? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me on today. I appreciate uh, I appreciate any moment to talk about the art syndicate because I do really, really love this. Um, so the art syndicate is a network of local artists that collaborate with local businesses to put on events for the community. And we focus on promoting local business, local art, and community engagement. Uh, as of now, we've put on five events, and all of the events have been wildly different. Uh, some, another part I really like about the Arts Syndicate is that it's always changing. Uh, our first event, we partnered with a startup in Moorhead called Vanna Adventure Vans. They make luxury travel vans, and their work is really good. You have to check them out. Um, it's really insane, and the guys that run it, they're really good guys. Uh, and our first event was a pop-up art show in their workshop, which is a warehouse in the middle of an industrial park. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And it was in the dead of winter during COVID. And we completely sold out. And it was really great. We had laser lights and fog machines and pizza from Blackbird. And it was great. And then our next event was a yoga event in like <laughs> a complete opposite tone. <laughs> so it was, uh, it's really fun. I, I, I really love putting on all the events and seeing everyone show up. Honestly, like just hearing how your business how your business like operates with different other businesses and just seeing it from like your Instagram. I like how each event is like very different and (laughs) it's the same with art, you know, like art can be a little bit more classical or it can be a little more modern or it can be a little more out there. So I really like how you have each event. It's like different in its own way, but it just fits in so well. Oh, thank you. I'm looking to get a bit better um, way of organizing the Instagram because in the beginning, whenever you start a new account and there's zero followers, zero posts, and you're like, oh, I got to get something on here. Um, yeah. I'll just run stuff on there. And <laughs> it, I, I like it too. I think it's a little messy, but um, the the I, I do really like the different posters. Um, Edwin, my business partner, designed all of them. He does all the graphic stuff and he focuses a lot on the art side of things. And I focus a lot on the business side of things. So we balance each other out pretty well. And it's whenever he makes a poster, I always want a QR code to the tickets on it. He's like, oh, QR codes make the whole thing terrible. And I look at the utility of it. And I don't know. Oh, it's, oh, I love this. <laughs> I love the Arts Syndicate. It is my baby. And, and um, I, could, I could talk about it forever. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So... I like that you and your partner are completely different, especially because he's like more on the art side and you're more on the business side. Um, Honestly, how is that like for you having a partner in a startup business? Uh, So with Edwin, he didn't actually want to be like partners until probably the fourth or fifth event, even though he was acting like a partner the entire time. And after every event, one through three, I was like, Edwin, that event was so good. Like, thank you so much for helping. Do you want to be partners on this? You're really good at this. And he's like, nah, nah, just let me know when the next event is. (laughs) So after the fourth or fifth one, I was like, Edwin, do you want to be partners? And he's like, Rachel, we've been partners. And so it's, um, it's been really good to have someone take some of the load that I can depend on because in the beginning, finding people is just, that was the hardest part for this because putting on an entire show especially with art like I don't have any installation experience I do art but installation wise and a lot of the art world I don't really understand so I had to do a lot of research on that but then having Edwin who was an art major uh as a partner he fills in a lot of the gaps and it's really great to have someone by you who fills in the gaps like if we're in a meeting um I usually do most of the talking which he's perfectly fine with but whenever there's like a concern or if he has an extra question that I don't think to ask he'll ask it so it's really great to have someone that can, you know, since we are opposites, we, our strengths and weaknesses are opposite. So we definitely reinforce each other in a really good way. 
And even though he is an artist, uh, there seems to be a stereotype with artists like being really go with the flow. And <laughs> in my experience, that's that's definitely true for uh, a good number of artists. But he's definitely uh, grounded. And so he's dependable and really, really good to work with. And he's really insanely good at graphic design. So I love seeing all of his posters and all that come up. And if I'm ever getting stressed out about an event and I just came back from a meeting that he couldn't make, I'll like say, am I like, is this, can we do this? Like, is this going to work? Like, and then he's like, and he will just be, he'll just um, help diffuse situations. Like if I'm getting really stressed out, he's like, Rachel, it's fine. We got this. And then same vice versa. If he gets stressed out, I'm like, no, don't worry. We got this. So it is really good to have someone watching your back. That's really good that you guys are like balance. It's like the yin to the yang. Like you guys balance each other out. Cause I feel like a lot of people do go into business with each other and sometimes they are like too much alike. And so when they have conflicts or, you know, they come across something, they're not able to tackle it, tackle the challenge like they want to just because they are pretty much the same person, you know, or they have like the same characteristics. Um, so just to segue a little bit, what characteristics do you think is most important for an entrepreneur to have? Characteristics? Uh, you got to be brave. I will say you do need to be brave. Uh, and once you realize that the world isn't as scary and people actually do want to see you succeed, it gets a lot easier. Uh, seeing the challenges that you can overcome in the past and then if you struggle with it again in the future and know that you already overcame that that's really good but that first initial bit it does take some bravery especially writing out a bunch of cold emails and talking to people that don't even don't know you or what you're doing it's uh can be a bit daunting so being creative uh good problem solver and brave i think those are probably if i could boil it all down those have been the the best in, in my experience especially with my line of work I work with people a lot. So patience is also a really good one. Um, and, you know, don't, don't burn yourself out. Don't, don't work too hard uh, when it's, and it's not time to work will ebb and flow. Some things take way longer than you expect it to. And then the things that you think will be just done like that end up taking a lot longer. So I don't know, just patience with yourself, bravery, creativity, problem solving. I'm glad that you pointed out like, being brave just because a lot of people just think like oh the person's like oh I'm just gonna start a business and they start the business but like no it's kind of like having to like instill that self-confidence in you um to actually start it especially too sometimes they're they want to start a business that a lot of people already have in that industry or already have in like the area that they live in so I'm glad that you pointed it out that the person has to be brave. Um, now, you're also an NDSU student. Um, how did you choose NDSU? Because I know that a lot of students here are pretty much from North Dakota or, you know, they typically will stay in North Dakota or they choose to go somewhere else for college. Um, what made you choose NDSU? So uh, I have lived in North Dakota for 10 years now. So it's uh, nearby. Uh, wasn't, wasn't interested in UND. Gross. Ew. <laughs> so um, NDSU I chose because I was, I was more familiar with it. And the, the, the prices were good. And my, like, I, a good handful of my friends were there. Um, I was a really intense student and for my whole life. I've always loved school. I really loved it. And Junior year, though, took a took a toll out on me. So that's the year you're supposed to be looking for colleges. And I was like, I can't do this right now. So I did choose NDSU because it was one of the easier options. But in hindsight, I am really glad that I chose NDSU, uh, especially with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I've met uh, a lot of the professors and people that I've met this year have been really helpful, uh, even though I'm more so interested in doing art, art syndicate things than I am with schoolwork. Uh, I think that's a good thing because college lasts like four years or however long your degree takes to get, but your bit, your job, what you, your passion hopefully will last a lifetime. So. Yeah. I like that you're pretty realistic on why you chose NDSU 
just because I know a lot of students, they'll say like, oh, I chose the school because I like the school. But you're pretty realistic with the NDSU is affordable. It's nearby. Um, That's pretty much why I chose NDSU too from being a kid from the Twin Cities. It's like three hours away from home. You know, it wasn't like too expensive compared to like the University of Minnesota, but Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that like I honestly came to NDSU because the entrepreneurship program here it's really great great professors from like all different paths of entrepreneurship from like venture capitalists to like international entrepreneurship and I think just like the business program in general like the college of business too and it's good that like for your business you're typically you're more like focused on that just because you know that is a lifetime compared to like college being the four years you know like you yeah. don't let the four years define you like let your passion define you yeah and the I have been really happy with the entrepreneurship program the art syndicate I think it's inevitable that I was going to start it but it was an assignment actually to reach out to five or it was an assignment to think of a problem and then come up with an idea to solve that problem before class. And then the first assignment was go talk to five people. And um, I didn't hear the part about think of a problem and solve it before class. So I came up with this entire idea on the spot. And obviously it developed as I got, you know, more done with it. But I was like, I've lived here for 10 years. Everyone seems to, you know, think that Fargo is boring and like the weather's bad. And I'm like, okay, well, what if we could make it more fun? But I don't know if I would have started it until after college or maybe even further down the road if it hadn't been just go talk to people because that was all that I needed. Just a little go do something, Rachel. And then Mm -hmm. talking to people, just the momentum kept going. And now here we are. Yeah, I mean, they're not wrong. The weather is pretty terrible in the winter months of North Dakota. Yeah, (laughs) North Dakota is not boring at all. Like I was pretty shocked to see like, how like the technology industry here in Fargo like is like booming you know with Microsoft and just like smaller like software um, companies in Fargo and just like the entrepreneurship spirit with like Emerging Prairie and just like the students here and just a lot of people getting involved in like entrepreneurship um programs here pretty much like the mindset it's pretty like it's thriving in Fargo I was pretty shocked about that it's um Fargo has seen a lot of growth uh from when I first moved here we lived on like the way edge of town and way south Fargo and now it's like south Fargo just keeps going south and everything is just growing more and it's it's been really cool to see areas that had nothing there now have something there so it's definitely, it's definitely growing up and it's, I've been happy to see that. Absolutely. Um, so it seems like art has been pretty much involved in like your life um, before college. What made you choose the entrepreneurship minor at NDSU? So um, I'm really interested in personality psychology. So I found a lot of direction in life when I learned more about my personality type which um, I'm an ENFP from the, the Briggs-Myers personality test. And I was reading up on that and I'm like, this is pretty accurate. Uh, my personality type finds everything interesting. I'm excited about everything. It takes one person with a passion to make me passionate about that thing. And it could be, it could be like a really dusty subject. It could just be something otherwise boring, but if someone else likes it and is passionate about it, I get really interested in it. And um, like I said, I was, you know, a really good student. Like I was in all the APs, I was in all the clubs and all that. And I was like, I can be good at anything, which is great. But then when you like everything about the same amount, it's really stressful. And I found business to be a way where I can live vicariously through other people because, you know, business goes into everything. Like there's a channel of money going through everything. Like you can make money off of anything these days. And so literally. I'm like, what? I said literally. Yeah. <laughs> so I um I recognized that and I was like, 
okay, so I don't have to get my helicopter pilot's license, my scuba certification, and also go into STEM while also being an English major. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna calm down. I'm gonna do business and I'm gonna see where that takes me. And the entrepreneurship minor, um, I don't remember who told me about it, but there was, I don't know if it was like a, my advisor or a professor or someone, but uh, someone had mentioned it and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Cause you know, everyone loves entrepreneurs. They're like the, they're like heroes of, <laughs> they're like America's heroes, honestly, or at least they're rebels as heroes. And um, I was like, that's cool. I think I could do that. Cause it seems to be a more creative form of business. Cause I don't think I could be an, I could not be an accountant. Um, I don't have the brain or organization for it. And everyone who is one, I am so impressed and very jealous because goodness gracious, I cannot be organized to save my life. And I'm going to have to pay for that <laughs> in a bit. So uh, yeah, someone, someone told me about it. I found it to be a creative outlet. Uh, someone, all of the things that they were saying, like being a leader and being creative, problem solving, being a visionary, looking to the future. It's um, all of that really spoke to me. So I was like, I can do this. And then when I started to try doing it and I went through the classes and I had all my professors I was like these classes are fun these are all really fun classes I remember we did like a spaghetti tower experiment thing where we had to like build a tower and held a marshmallow up and (laughs) it was like no other class would do this I honestly felt like I was back in like kindergarten or like elementary school but I'm like this is really fun and honestly I remember the lessons from that which is like if you're gonna fail fail small if you only have so much time don't put all your assets into doing something if you don't even fully understand what it is you're doing so that honestly that one lesson has stuck with me forever I've looked at all other possibilities it's really expanded my thinking specifically with investing in things um all of the event uh the events that we put on have almost been 100% profitable I think the most expensive event we ever had to do was just to pay for rent, which was like $300. But like, otherwise, all the other events, we've been able to just partner with people and bring people in. And so that was that was great. I think right now I'd probably be, uh, if it weren't for the classes and the professors and the lessons and that marshmallow experiment, I probably would have been having a much harder time. Absolutely. Um, I have to agree with you like 100% on that just because... I am a business management student, like that's my major, but I don't know. It's just like when I go through like my classes, I'm like, okay, like this is understandable, but some, for some reason when I'm in my entrepreneurship classes, it just kind of like, it's like a light bulb moment every time I'm in there. Cause it's just like exciting. Like I just feel like stimulated from it. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. It makes like all of the, the concrete building a base, it makes all of that seem more doable because, you know, if I'm like, I have to like just doing accounting or I'm doing equations or understanding different principles of things, that's important, but it's also, it takes the magic out of it, you know? And I want my life to be exciting and vibrant and interesting and full of life and something I'm passionate about. And whenever I care about things and if they don't turn out well, I obviously am a lot more upset about it than if I didn't care about it. And if it was just a job to me, but I want my job to be my passion and, and my life and entrepreneurship was like, take this structured way and turn it into something amazing. So entrepreneurship really connected the two with that. I don't know if I would have continued doing business if it weren't for entrepreneurship. Yeah. Absolutely. And even before I went to NDSU too, when I was looking at colleges and I was looking at their business programs and some, some colleges didn't have like entrepreneurship as like a minor or major. And I was just kind of like upset by it. Cause I have always been fascinated by entrepreneurship since I was a kid. Um, just because my dad owned a business too. And it was just interesting to see like how he, made his passion basically a business but I don't know I was just like I don't know when I was looking at the colleges I was just like I'm not sure and then NDSU was not my first choice at all um (laughs) but then but then when I was doing my research because I don't know for some reason it just kept popping up I kept getting emails from NDSU and then school counselors was like what about NDSU and I was like oh 
But then I did my own research on the business program and it said an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurship minor. And I was like, ha, huh, like a ha ha moment. So <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, that's gotta be something there, you know? What did your, yeah. uh, what business did your dad start? Yeah. So he basically, he buys cars and they're like beat up cars, like just beat up like you don't know like they look like junk but then he pretty much you know creates the cars like he builds them back up again he pretty much you know how like a person fixes up a house he fixes up cars and then cars yeah and then he sells them for like more than they were actually worth so um he enjoys doing that like that's his passion right there so it's pretty cool to see how he turned his passion into that um yeah so it's been it's been cool seeing him doing that growing up and I was like wow like I kind of want to do something like that too when I grow up I just didn't know what I wanted to do at the time but NDSU they they definitely helped me um figure out like an idea of what I want to do yeah yeah it's really good to to grow up with that and have someone someone in your life having a path that you are really interested in in taking um, for yourself. My uncle started a business, and I've been meaning to talk to him about that. Um, but he lives on the East Coast, so we don't really we don't really hang out all that much. Plus, oh, the pandemic! I don't. I usually get to see them once or twice a year, but yeah, not this time. So it's really good that you have someone in your immediate family that has had that that really big impact on you. Yeah, it honestly has, especially to like, it's pretty cool to like ask him for guidance, like when I need it or just like, you know, poke his brain when it comes to like, you know, asking him questions of like what made him want to do it and like what made him start the business. Um, Yeah, it's been really cool. Honestly, the pandemic, I feel like has been like very beneficial to like people starting up businesses or just creating things because honestly I started my podcast Bakers with Tea through the pandemic last year and I never thought like I'll create a podcast like that you know and then like you created your business the Art Syndicate so it's just crazy to see like how entrepreneurs have like such a creative mind or they figure out something like they figure out issues that they had during the pandemic and they turn it into a business. Yeah. The pandemic has been really, really terrible for a lot of reasons. And it's also been really good for a number of other reasons. So I I see it accelerating the inevitable. So online things, uh, professors being lenient and more flexible with how they teach, uh, making it learning more accessible and also exposing a lot of problems of course that hopefully we'll be able to to fix but a lot of people there the time that they spent in quarantine has definitely changed people in a really big way yeah so hearing uh you start your podcast and me start my business I've heard other people say like oh I started doing this thing during quarantine and now it's a really big part of their life and I wonder if they would have ever gotten into that um or if the pandemic specifically said, here, here you go. Like, <laughs> here's some time and some experiences for you to take with what you will. Yeah. And literally, it just feels like the pandemic happened a couple months ago, but it was literally two years ago. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I hate that. Um, but it's insane, though, just because, like, a lot of people are fully invested in what they discovered during the pandemic you know especially like a lot of bakers that I know they ended up starting their baking business because of the pandemic so it's very interesting how the pandemic was somewhat not somewhat it was literally unexpected from all of us yeah and you know we got something out of it changed it did change a lot of things and I'm really hoping that the main takeaway from the entire pandemic is more flexibility and understanding of things because specifically work people are like oh we don't actually need an office so a lot of offices yeah. close down because people can just work in other places 
and having um, a focus on the amount of work that gets done rather than you have to be here from nine to five. I really hope that that's something that more people pick up on because having having a schedule but having flexibility is is really good. I, I worry about America's workaholic culture where you have to always be on that that grind set 100% of the time and then people get burnt out. And it's it's really alarming how uh, prevalent burnout is in culture in today's culture and it's just I wish that that wasn't how things were so you know burnout it's hard to avoid and especially when the weather is bad it's it's tough to you know it's tough to to find those things that really get you through the day and make you happy and make you feel refreshed and relaxed so if on top of that you have a rigid work schedule or something like that I'm I am really hoping that that culture continues to change and we opt for more so like collaborative workspaces or like work cafes I think that'd be that'd be pretty great absolutely um I agree just because even like now being a college student you know we feel so burnt out from doing just our schoolwork alone and you know some students have jobs or they're doing more than part-time jobs outside of school being a full-time student it's stressful you know it doesn't I don't know, like, you shouldn't feel, like, as burnt out as, like, a student, and it's just, like, something to not look forward to once they're, like, graduating, so that's something that I'm hoping that a lot of businesses do consider once, like, the pandemic does decline, or, like, when it does decline, to pretty much give their employees, like, more time for their families or literally just for themselves just Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't even have hobbies just because they have to you know balance literally everything in their life and they don't think about focusing on themselves yeah I recently saw a chart of all the countries that require paid leave and it goes up to like 20 days in many countries just 20 days paid leave do whatever you need to do and uh, I took French in high school and my French teacher was very passionate about France. And she was talking about how they have like uh, the joie de vie, which is yeah. joy of life. And it's like, well, we don't have that. We have the American dream, which is work really hard and eventually good things will happen. And it's a good sentiment and that's a good thought. But then when you actually look at it, a lot of it is work really hard. And then once you have the things you want, you're going to want more things. So keep working. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's it's really stressful. Uh, one of my friends actually just asked me last week a uh, good question about burnout, um, which was how much of your burnout comes from societal expectations and how much comes from just your personality. Which I would love to hear your answer to that. It's, I think it's a I think it's a really big question because when you see things that other people have and expectations that other people have on others in your similar situation or family or anything like that that adds pressure. Plus what do you want for yourself and what are your workaholic tendencies or, you know? Yeah, I can absolutely relate to this because in high school, I was just, you know, a student that was just very involved, trying to get in like everything that I could. Um, Like I was in cheerleading, I was in DECA, just anything I can get my like hands on. But I came from this high school where, you know, it's my high school literally had 3,500 kids and we were pretty, I don't want to say it's okay. This is literally the word to describe it competitive. So like the students would be very competitive when it came to like our test grades, our AP, our AP scores, our ACT scores and something like that for me, I feel like I wasn't like thriving in an environment like that just because, you know, I'm like, I'm already a poor test taker. And I was like, this is, I kind of already felt the sense. I was like, I'm not, I don't operate like this. So then when it came to like looking at colleges, even though at the time I was like, oh yeah, like I kind of want to go to school with, like go to college where everyone I know is going to college was like the U of M. But then when I ended up choosing NDSU, it just felt like such a relief just because I was able to like focus a lot more on myself. And I was also 
able to like thrive in somewhere that I know that was a little bit more appreciated in in an academic setting or um, in organizations that I'm involved in now. I was just, I just felt a little bit more appreciated. And I feel like I can give a little bit more into it because I know in high school, I felt so burnt out. And even though like in college, I do have times where I feel burnt out. At least I know like I'm doing something that I feel like I'm thriving in like personally, like you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Um, so yeah, I'll say just like, a societal, a society like burnt out, like feeling burnt out by the society is like a huge thing that a lot of people just don't realize. Yeah, definitely comes after you. And it, I see it leading a lot of people to live inauthentically. So maybe they take on a major that they don't care about. They are not passionate about it, but their parents said it's a good job and there's good job prospects for it. But they don't really care about it. So they're like, all right, I'll just get through this and then I'll just get a job. And then when I'm not working, I'll enjoy my life. And I wish that that wasn't the case. And some people like, that's just, it makes sense to them. They're like, yes, I will just get a really high paying job and then I'll just take vacations and stuff. And that's how they want to balance, balance things out. But I, I wish that that compromise wasn't there, especially if you're not equipped to do that thing. Math yeah. is my worst subject. I have to work so hard in it. And for the longest time, I was like, I have to do STEM. Like STEM is the number one field that everyone says you should be going into. And it just, it's completely against how my brain works. And I could do it because I do genuinely believe I could be great at anything I put my mind to. It's just my, my cap for potential just is so short compared to my other fields that I'm good at. And, and, you know, I, I, unmet potential is one of my, one of my biggest fears and motivators. So that's the pressure I put on myself for burnout is just like, Oh, I'm so good. Or I was really good at this, but now I don't have time for it. And I feel bad that I'm not as good at that anymore, but I'm at least doing something I like to. And I just, I do worry about some of my friends that I can see the life leaving their eyes when they're taking their classes that they don't like. And they're like, this is just what I have. And it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. And I think a lot of students too, just like, you know, like when you're a student and you see like your other friends going into majors that are, you know, they typically don't like prefer going into. I know like a lot of students that I ended up going to classes with, they ended up changing their major just because they figured out they had that like aha moment that the major wasn't for them or, you know, they wasn't thriving in the major that they could be you know yeah uh looking at culture as well I'm actually I'm in a I'm in a reading group that talks all about the the problems in education so I've actually been spending a lot of time thinking about this this is definitely not just off the cuff uh but great now I just lost my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) it's okay um I know earlier you talked about like Looking into the psychology of personalities, have you ever heard of the Clifton Strengths Finders? I haven't. Okay, so it's I have the book here. It's it's literally a book and it has 34 different themes of like personalities. And you take a quiz with it, it comes with the book, and it gives you your top five strengths. And I took it in high school and then I took it again sophomore year of college and literally when I'm reading like the descriptions even when you take the test and you get your results like each even though you have the same theme as somebody it can be totally different like the paragraphs of the description of your theme could be different and when I found out my top five I was literally like oh my gosh this makes so much sense this makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, it's like getting a cheat code for how your brain works. And then it makes a lot of things a lot easier after that. Absolutely. And when I took it the second time, my, one of my strengths ended up dropping and then I got a completely different strength. And I was like, I was like deliberative. Cause that's my number one. Now I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. But then 
I figured it out. I was like, during, I had jury duty last year and it took me forever in deliberation. And I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if the person's guilty or not. Like I couldn't figure it out. But honestly, like this book, the strengths finders have like saved me. Yeah, the personality psychology bit is is huge because and it's they're not like those little like 10 question Mm -hmm. things like are you do you prefer to be around people or by yourself and it's it's not like that it's definitely in depth and there's science behind it and there's research behind it and you know as as unique as each person can be overall there's seven there's almost eight billion people on this planet so yeah. other people have had similar experiences or, you know, so it's like they find all the different ways that different people's brains work. And it's like really nice to think you're not alone with how, how you operate. So the personality psychology and a, a teacher in high school were both the things that helped me channel my focus in on something and really find out who I'm meant to be and what I, what I struggle with and things to focus on to improve those things. Cause no one's hopeless. You know, you can, you can, <laughs> you can sort something out something. Yeah. Okay. So I know you mentioned before, honestly, back to what you said, you had to, you figured out like what you wanted to do just by having to interview five different people about what you needed to do. Um, how did the, other than that, how did the art syndicate um, come about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I lived here for a while and I've always been interested in art. Uh, I did a lot of art in, in high school and my aunt was an artist or she still is an artist and she had a really big impact on how I viewed art and I saw the value in it. And though I've been an artist my whole life, I'm still, I'm just barely beginning to understand it. I do realism. So I just, I'm like a really slow human printer and I'll just make whatever it is that you send me. But yeah, people that can think and make things really abstract and creative. I'm like, I would never think to do that. And that is impressive. And I want to reward that. And then driving around and seeing all the white snow and the beige buildings. And every once in a while, there's like a mural pop. And I'm like, oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about how I love people and I want to be around people. And now I'm a business major. I was like, I can take all three of those major things I care about and piece them together. Cause these are things that have always been on my mind. Like they're always things I think about every single day. So then when my professor was like, all right, Rachel, why don't you start us off today? What problems do you see and how are you going to solve it? And I was like, Whoa, wait, what? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess we'll do something with community art and business. And what better way to do that than events and stuff to, to start with. And, that's been a really huge on getting experience because with that first assignment, talk to five community leaders, they give you a to-do list. They say, oh, that's so cool that you're doing this. Did you want to talk to this person? They know all about that. So then it's like, I talked to like the arts partnership and I talked to Folkways and I talked to the Plains Art Museum and I actually had an internship there. So it's just yeah. talking to people that always bring people that know more than you around you. And then it's like my idea of just like this little, these few problems I wanted to solve just grew into, I can do it. Like I was, I started to connect what I have to what I want using people as like people and their support and their um, information to get there. And I was 19 when I started everything and was talking to everyone. And I felt like a child talking to these like middle-aged people or just older people. And I'm like, they can't know how old I am. They need to take me seriously. And I had a meeting of like 15 artists that I called together and had a huge Zoom meeting. There were some people in person and I was like leading this whole thing. I was pitching my grand master plan to these people. And there was a lot of support. Basically, anytime I shared my, you know, it's a good idea when you can share it with anyone and they think, oh, that's a good idea. They may not get it all the way, but if, if they even like a piece of it, you know, you're on the right track. So after that first meeting, that's where I met Edwin and uh, we kind of like grouped some people together to make this first event happen. And I was, I had heartburn for like a month straight. I was like, I got, this has to work. I wanted it so badly. And I'm like, this idea seems to be good, but let's prove it. Let's test it. Mm -hmm. And we did great. And I was like, okay, cool, bet. I'm going to do this now. So 
since that first event, I would say like the one year anniversary for the art syndicate is January 29th, because that's when I'm like, I can do this. People like the idea and we did it once. Let's do it again. Yeah. That's great. Honestly, it feels amazing when, you know, you come up with an idea or like you pitch something to someone and they're like, oh, that's such a great idea. Or even when people are like willing to help or like they have someone that they can connect you with. They're like, oh, I can connect you with this person, this person, this person kind of like makes your idea feel a lot more than just an idea. Mm -hmm. Really giving it some, some weight. The, the support gives a, uh, wow, I'm going to say some real cheesy. Uh, Something's like an idea that can start as a dream feels like, like a heavier, more tangible thing, the more support you have behind it. And the more you believe in yourself. Because anyone can have an idea. We've all heard about like the dad sitting on the couch seeing some new like infomercial saying, ah, I thought of that back in the 80s. They stole my idea. And it's like anyone can have an idea. Getting the support behind it makes it seem more doable. And then knowing that you can do it and you will do it really makes an idea something real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know when... I was starting up Bakers with Tea. I was like, okay, like, let me pitch this out to a couple people. And some people, like, getting interviews, it was challenging at first because I didn't have anything, like, tangible or, like, proof or evidence of it. And then, you know, you get so many no's before you get, like, a yes, and it gets a lot easier. And it just, I don't know, it just was just, like, a big set of relief, like, you're doing something not only for yourself, but like it, it's going to be like something bigger than an idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, I, I have a problem with how um, failure is taught in classes because to me, failure is this big, huge crushing thing and it's a big deal. But people that talk about failure, they, they talk about it like any time that you stumble is failure. And I'm like, no, just because something didn't work doesn't mean it's a failure. It just didn't work that one time. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's a really big word. And I know that they want to try to reframe like failure isn't the end of anything. You would only fail when you give up. But I don't know if I would have been able to power through some, some instances if I saw it as a failure, because I just say, oh, that didn't work. What can I change? Like, what, how can I workshop how this went about? Because I was supposed to do like this really cool rooftop um party and it was like it wasn't like a rage or anything wild like that it was definitely like a controlled sophisticated situation and management was extremely difficult to deal with like we had the okay clear to go the entire the entire time we had everything set up we had everybody ready to go then two days before the event they said you need to talk to the owners before you do this and I was like oh okay and then they ghosted me for five days so of course we had to refund everybody and it was just it was really unprofessional on their part and it was, uh, it was bad. And I, I, I was like, at that time I was like, it was in the summer and I had a really stressful summer. So I was really hoping that this event would happen so I could take a break and have a win. And yeah. I don't really see that as a failure. I just see that as like a, like a, like a bull stumble. Cause that was the last, that was supposed to be the last event until this upcoming one in March. And I don't know. It's just, if, if you make your mistakes seem so heavy, it just makes it so much harder to believe that it's going to happen and you got to keep that confidence. You got to keep that bravery. If, if something doesn't happen the way you want it to, just roll off your back, learn from it, and move on. And I know it's easier said than done, but I don't know, man. I would be, I would probably be a much more stressed out person and way more high strung if I really did focus on all the no's I got or all of the deals that didn't quite happen the way I wanted to. Because it is embarrassing when you don't know what you're doing. And if you mess up and it's like, whoops, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to let it go. You do really need to let it go. Otherwise it'll probably come back to haunt you in similar situations in the future. Absolutely. Um, and that's one thing I like about the entrepreneurship program at NDSU is that a lot of our professors, they tell us about failure. Like if something doesn't go the way that we wanted it to go, that's completely okay. Cause that even, makes us like more eager to make it work or like figure out another solution for that um, of like what we're trying to figure out. Um, so 
you pretty much have an entire business that you're handling with your partner. How are you, how are you balancing being a student and an entrepreneur? Uh, so there's a lot of waiting in what I do. There's a lot of waiting for meetings to go through and a lot of waiting for messages to come back. And it's generally slow enough when it comes to events. Obviously, I'm working on a bunch of like legal stuff and all that. But overall, the amount of work that needs to get done can get done between those waiting periods. So like right now with this upcoming event, I need to wait on a response from the owner about something so I can then tell a partnering business the, the answer and then I have to wait for them to respond. So there's a lot of like in between time that I can work on other things. Plus all my classes are online this year, except for one. And then I only have like a couple other obligations that are like once a week. So I have a lot more time than you might expect a full-time student, which is why I am happy at least that the pandemic brought more flexible learning to mainstream yeah. culture. So balancing it, I will say there is not really any balance <laughs> because it's more so just I work really hard, really fast in a very short amount of time. And then I have like days where I just have so much time. So today is honestly one of my, this is like my third day in a row where I just haven't really had a ton to do because I've just been waiting to hear back for meetings. So I can, I can work on school stuff in between that. But um, when it comes to events and stuff there, I just, I just, I email my professors. I say, Hey, can I have an extension? I have this thing. Um, I say a lot of nice things about them and I'm like, you know, I'm putting my, I'm putting all the stuff that you, that you're teaching me into use. And I like, if you want to come, that'd mean a lot to me. And I mean all of this too, by the way, I love what I do. And I, you know, I do want to finish my degree. I finish next semester, so I won't have to worry about it for too much longer, but yeah, I just email my professors and if they say, no, you have to be in class. I'll just say, all right, well, I'll see you next week then. Cause I'm not going to be there. Cause I have all this stuff to do. So <laughs> it's, um, not really a balance. It's more so a balance of value. Uh, so I would schedule events or meetings around when I have a test, but lately my tests have been, it opens on Thursday and it closes that Sunday by midnight, get it done between then. So the flexibility has been an absolute lifesaver for me. If yeah. campus did not allow online stuff, I don't think I'd be able to be a student and do entrepreneurship at the same time, or I would be exhausted all the time and I would not have any moment left for anything else. I absolutely agree with you on that. Just because I think I wouldn't have like, I think I wouldn't have like started my podcast if it wasn't for us you know, being able to slow down school and, you know, being able to have like online options just because it is a little bit more challenging being a full-time student before the pandemic than it is like being a full-time student now. Yeah. Uh, Also being a student is really helpful Uh, for anyone that's a student and an entrepreneur. I would say you are in a fantastic spot for getting information because if you say, if you're writing a cold email, just an initial reach out to someone and you say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a student from here. I would love to talk to you about your experience with this thing. You might still get a no or no one will respond, but you're in a much better spot for people to want to talk to you. Specifically, mm-hmm. like with the project realty that we're working on, um, I've been talking to people not like from Minneapolis, like realtors and like real estate people not around here because I wanted to get information on pricing. I wanted to get their input on things. Cause yes, if I was a student and I talked to people around here, I wonder if they would, I would hope that they would give me an honest quote for like, what's a reasonable price and, you know, help me out with that. But also if you're a business and you want a cheaper option, you know, that's kind of tough, but honestly getting your foot in the door as a student is, is really great. Because people are like, they see the hope in your eyes and saying, I'm a college student has a weight to it. And then if you're talking to an older person, they're like, oh, college students back in my day. Yeah, I see the initiative in you. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great spot to be in. Because if you're, if you're like, I don't know, 30 or 45 or whatever, and you're starting a business, I mean, people will probably still be supportive. I've obviously never lived what it's like to be a 45-year-old. Um, so it's just, I can imagine that there would be more support and more patience when you're younger and you're starting and you're learning and they understand that. Yeah, absolutely. It's very helpful um, to do that too, just because 
they are just more willing to help, like you said. Um, now, just to segue a little bit, you have this event coming up in March. Um, can you tell us more about that and any more exciting events or something for us to look forward to in the future? Yes. So the upcoming event is called Underground Jazz at Babs. Um, and if you can imagine, it's a jazz show uh, in the basement of Babs Coffee House. And oh, their downstairs area is so beautiful. And they have all these amazing couches. They're like the coolest and most comfiest looking chairs you've ever seen. And they just keep it all downstairs. And I'm like, we have to use this space. It's so cool. So they have like a stage down there. So we're gonna have um, we're gonna have a five piece jazz band come down and uh, play their play their stuff. They uh, the bass player actually played in a previous event and she just she kills it every time. She's insanely good. And so we're gonna have uh, live jazz downstairs. We're gonna have the art show upstairs and leading downstairs. Um, we're gonna have like fog machine and lights. And we're still I love fog machines if you haven't noticed. <laughs> But uh, we're setting the ambience with that. Uh, we're currently working to get Front Street Tap Room downstairs to have like champagne or hard seltzers, beers, that sort of thing. And Babs, they just changed uh, ownership. So the new owners really want to make a name for themselves. So we're doing like some promos with like their food and all that. And but yeah, overall, live jazz, food, drinks, like it's it's coming together. And Babs is a really comfortable space. I love going there and it smells great in there all the time. Oh, absolutely. I love Babs. Like I go there all the time when I have time to go during the day to like just study. They have really good puppy chow. I I like their food, especially like their croissants. I don't know, just like the atmosphere of it. And I also like too that Babs is always like helping local artists. They always have local artists like work inside of Babs and I always see them changing it and stuff. So I find it really cool that you're doing an event with them. That's amazing. And I yeah. can't wait to see what the downstairs look like of Babs. <laughs> it's really cool. I'm telling you, I think that they should just have it open all the time. I don't know why they don't, but again, new owners, they're, they're still shifting things around. And um, so, yeah, it's, it feels really good to be able to, to help local places. And especially as new places open up, I really want the art syndicate to help promote the new places where it's like you're completely brand new to Fargo we want to bring attention to your place because we want to see local businesses succeed yeah absolutely especially too like there's so many small businesses that like pop up in the Fargo Moorhead area and it's just amazing to see like how many of them are showing up but it's really cool that you're bringing that attention to like the communities like showing like hey like look what's here um it's very exciting so you're a very wise entrepreneur that happens to be a student (laughs) um thank you (laughs) if you could give advice to a student who wants to be an entrepreneur or who wants to start something what would it be um I would say start talking to people that know more than you uh, if you want to start a coffee, something or other, go talk to some owners of a coffee shop. If you say that you're a student and you really like their place and you want to you wanna get some more information, that's a great place to start. Uh, I like to get my information from people more so than researching it because articles aren't always going to have the full story. So yeah, do it, just honestly, just reaching out and sending out cold emails and setting up times to meet or call and then just making those times. Uh, that's worked really well. Um, don't get caught up on the small stuff either. Some people, I presented at the entrepreneurship club a couple of weeks ago, and that is also super cool. So check that out. There's a lot of really cool people that go there. Uh, some people get caught up on something just like the name and it's like, well, you can do a lot without a name. So just do all the stuff you can, and then try to solve those problems you have later. Just do a lot of circling back. You don't need to know everything all at once to start. What do you have? What can you do? And how can you get to the next step? That is really great advice, Um, especially to like having to circle back. I know when I started my first podcast, Bakers with Tea, and this podcast too, just like figuring out the format and like, how am I going to advertise it and stuff like that? I was just like, but I was able to circle back and 
I got through it, you know? So I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think a lot of people just expect that they need to know everything at once. And it it's also a learning process when you're starting something new. Mm-hmm. Getting into uh, meeting people that are like-minded, whether they are also starting something, um, it could be completely different from yours, but just the startup process is stressful for everyone. It's new yeah. for everyone. And so if you get together with people that are in a similar spot or not even at all, you could just talk to one of your friends. A lot of people have really profound insight on what it is that you're doing and people can surprise you. Um, with the entrepreneurship club, I would especially uh, suggest going there. They also have free pizza, which is great, but people want to talk. People want to get to know you and what you're doing. And it's, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, and I actually just started going to uh, coffee with some ar- other artists in the area that are also doing other things and being able to talk to them. And then they suggest, Oh, by the way, have you done this? Or have you talked to this person or um, like, Oh, I was in your spot exactly like a couple months ago. This is how I did it. I hope that that would work for you. Just having some sort of support network. And it's way easier said than done to just find people that will be fun to be around and make you want to be a better person. It's it's easier said than done, but never stop looking because if you do stop looking, that's sad. <laughs> you know, you gotta you can you really, really don't have to do it alone. I fully disagree with a self-made person because even if you're doing all of the grunt work, people inspire you. People can still give you information or lead you in the right direction. So also if you don't think of yourself as being completely alone, it's it's easier. It's easier to let people in getting really protective of an idea, not letting other people into it, or I don't know, people want to see, people usually want to see you thrive, you know, so get in the, get in the good circle. I heard somewhere that you're like the average of the main five people you hang out with. So making sure you include people that make you a better person and a better business person. That's, that's the dream. That's the dream right there. Absolutely. Even though you don't think it, Rachel, you're a very insightful person. And I'm so glad that I had you on the show. Um, This has been an insightful interview just for me. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be very insightful to the audience. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for having me on here. I appreciate it. This was fun. All right. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. So we have this blizzard going on right now, but can you tell us more about you and the art syndicate? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. I appreciate any moment to talk about the art syndicate because I do really, really love this. Um, So the art syndicate is a network of local artists that collaborate with local businesses to put on events for the community. And we focus on promoting local business, local art, and community engagement. Uh, As of now, we put on five events, and all of the events have been wildly different. Uh, That's another part I really like about the Arts and the Kid is that it's always changing. Uh, Our first event, we partnered with a startup in Moorhead called Vanna Adventure Vans. They make luxury travel vans, and their work is really good. You have to check them out. it's really insane and the guys that run it they're really good guys uh and our first event was a pop-up art show in their workshop which is a warehouse in the middle of an industrial park and it's in the middle of nowhere and it was in the dead of winter during covid and we completely sold out and it was really great we had laser lights and fog machines and pizza from blackbird and it was great and then our next event was a yoga event in like (laughs) a complete opposite tone so it was uh it's really fun. I, I, I really love putting on all the events and seeing everyone show up. Honestly, like just hearing how your business, how your business like operates with different other businesses and just seeing it from like your Instagram. I like how each event is like very different and <laughs> it's, it's the same with art, you know, like art can be a little bit more classical or it can be a little more modern or it can be a little more out there. So I really like how you have each event it's like different in its own way, but it just fits in so well. Oh, thank you. I'm looking to get a bit better um, way of organizing the Instagram because in the beginning, whenever you start a new account and there's zero followers, zero posts, and you're like, oh, I gotta get something on here. Um, yeah. I'll just run stuff on there. And <laughs> 
it's, it's, I, I like it too. I think it's a little messy, but um, the the I, I do really like the different posters. Um, Edwin, my business partner, designed all of them. He does all the graphic stuff and he focuses a lot on the art side of things. And I focus a lot on the business side of things. So we balance each other out pretty well. And, it's whenever he makes a poster, I always want a QR code to the tickets on it. He's like, "Ugh, QR codes make the whole thing terrible." I look at the utility of it. And I don't know. Ugh, it's ugh. I love this. <laughs> I love the art syndicate. It is my baby, and, and um, I could I could talk about it forever. <laughs> Absolutely.